Let's talk about Jojo and Chip. Oh, yeah. Let, let's do that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't even know to where, where to begin with this. And th- this is all your fault from last week, but let... <laughs> so Joanna and Chip Gaines are the hosts of HGTV's uh, former hit show, Fixer Upper. Uh, last, last week's Chef Special. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I say pick of the week? I don't think I did. No, I, I just, I just wanted to... Just, just wanted to make sure that, you know, I mean, yes, it was a former HDTV show, but what really matters is the fact <laughs> that it was a, a prestigious chef special pick. <laughs> don't, was... don't sell it. Don't sell a short, Carlos. No, no. You're also doing it for continuity for, for, the, for, for the person on a cross-country car trip that's listening to all of these in a row. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God bless that person. <laughs> Hello, person in 2021 driving across a nuclear wasteland. <laughs> Cheers to you. Um, so yeah. So first, I, I I hope everybody in life finds the the Joanna to their chip, and vice versa, because they are like delightful people. I I I, I do I it, there are so few like just genuinely nice people who seem to do an honest day's living. I don't know because all reality TV is either. Like, it's a bunch of nonsense game shows like the Food Network, Cutthroat Kitchen, or it's all Real Housewives of this, or it's like, remember that, um, there was that Flip This House thing back when, <laughs> right before, like a year before the housing crisis and the whole banking industry imploded? I don't remember that one. Yeah, like, it was basically just saying, hey, go go take out a second mortgage and go, let's go buy some houses and let's flip them because the prices never go down. It was canceled shortly after. Uh-huh. That didn't, didn't age well. Didn't, No. But yeah, but 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 Chip and Joanna seem seem like an absolute delight. But I have a lot of questions and and concerns for you. Okay, okay. So, so I'm I signed up for, I signed up for Hulu just to watch this show because it came with such a hearty endorsement from you. And I'm about like seven episodes in. I skipped the one with the rich family who was like cause we're going to talk about the budgeting, but one of them was kind of a kind of a big snooze. But first, on the second episode, they allude to the fact that Chip went to get a dog or they they went to get another household pet because apparently something happened to one of their cats and they had mentioned that he also came home with a dog and then they don't talk about it for two episodes and there's just some random dog that they don't mention that shows up in one of the episodes when they're on the farm and i feel that's really irresponsible what what do you mean they don't talk about their dog uh well You, you see that you see the cats running around with the goats all the time on the farm but you don't ever see the dog so, well, I don't think that's intentional. You have to remember that, I mean, they have a ton of animals, including multiple dogs, I believe. So, Do they? whereas, hmm. I, I believe so. Um, but the point here being that, you know, like for us in, in suburbia, <laughs> where, you know, having maybe one dog, possibly like one dog, one cat, that's, you know, that's, that's your pet. Living on a farm like they do, it's not to take away any significance from a single dog, but it's just they, they sort of blend into the environment a little bit more than, again, they would like in a suburban environment. Uh, maybe, maybe things change in, in later seasons, but in episode or in season one, it seems like they have two or three cats and there's just some dog that just hangs out. I, I don't have other goats. For what it's worth, too, I don't believe I've seen season one. Ooh, oh, late adopter. Early yeah. adopter, late adopter. I think I jumped in maybe season three. I mean, I've seen earlier episodes, probably even some from season one, but not not all of them. 
Yeah, my favorite. Th- there's a really good one where one of the like their carpenter guys. I forget his last name, but they do a house for him in the middle of the first season, and yeah. it's very very good. He even mm-hmm. makes the he he uh, carves or he create. How do, what do you what do you, what happens when you do a lot of stuff to one? You make a solid object. He concatenates a, a door for his house, <laughs> and it's very it's very beautiful. Yeah, that's that's Clint. Um, yeah, yeah. When we when we went to Waco, the the lady friend and I went to Waco. We went to his uh, little shop. It was very oh, nice. nice. Mm-hmm. So he, he's a, probably uh, good. I would say I, I we bought a bottle opener from him, and it's it's very well crafted. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I, I hope he's a local celebrity because he seems like a really nice guy. Um. So there, yeah, there's a little bit of a story there. He so that the house that Chip and Joanna uh, fixed up for him was right next to his shop, mm-hmm. and he actually ended up having to move. Oh, because oh. because it, it it did um attract a little bit too much foot traffic yeah that's, so he oh. he is for for better or worse he's a bit of a local celebrity i mean it's great for his business i'm sure but yeah but that's a bummer right because that that is one weird thing is whenever and we'll we'll get to this also whenever jojo is showing people uh their new home on the google sketchup thing sometimes they have the address of the house in the document title which is I, pre- little... I appreciate that you just jumped to calling her Jojo. It's, it's very in line with our informal first name oh, no. <laughs> basis theme on this show. <laughs> My esteemed colleague, Joanna. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned this to you off air, but I'll reiterate it on air for you. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if what's motivating you uh, to watch the show are Chip and Joanna themselves, I highly, highly recommend you either read or listen to the audiobook of it's just called the magnolia story and it's kind mm-hmm. of their biography and their and their their story and how they sort of got to the show is really fascinating and if you if you like them now you're going to really really like them after um either reading or or listening to the audiobook they have a so it's a really good story we will see once this Hulu trial runs out. <laughs> uh, oh. And I, I would, and I would recommend the audiobook because they read it. Oh, of course. And it's it's very good. Good. So, what else? What else? I, I took some minor notes on my phone because this, this it was it was this, the show is very entertaining, but also very perplexing in certain ways. Um, but no, like it's it's a very good show in that like it seems like kind of like a microcosm of the American dream, which I really yes. like because mm-hmm. it's about, it's about entrepreneurship, about building things, love and family. And also oddly, <laughs> like getting one over on somebody else. Does that make sense? What do you mean? Cause <laughs> at the end of every episode, the episodes are also very formulaic, which I don't mind, but, um, the <laughs> chip will always mention, Oh yeah, you, 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 they basically stole this house. Because like somebody else didn't see the value of of what of what could be made if you actually put the time to renovate it, so I think that's also quintessentially American. Uh, I don't mm, I don't know I don't I don't think I quite agree with that. For a lot of people, taking on a two week or I'm sorry two month rather project like what they take on there is just not really feasible for one reason or another. So I don't think oh, they're sure. they're not they're not tricking people. No 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 no. But I think like kind of one of the things about being American is, is, is have, is like, and this is kind of like a douchey Silicon Valley thing, but like the unfair advantage thing, like just, just seeing something that somebody else doesn't and capitalizing on that advantage, which I think this is, and which what the gains are very, very good at. Okay. They can, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and also the show is teaching Americans math. Does that, so can I bring up some concerns about the show? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you may. So the math is very, is maybe it's just season one, but it's always very, very basic, but very obvious math that's done about whatever their budget is and how much the renovations are going to cost. Does that, does that continue through the entire series? No, they, I would say in the later seasons, there's an overall budget still, but they don't really break that budget down much. Maybe they'll call out one or two things, but uh, yeah, they, they don't provide the kind of, in, in air quotes, like the full breakout of, of the budget like they do in some of the <laughs> earlier seasons. But I mean, I mean, come on, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to itemize everything on the show. I, th- I think the simplified version they show is, is fine. Well, no, when, when, when Chip is breaking out the financials, like he, he always does like, oh, your, your renovation budget's $90,000. This is 5,000. And you get like this weird, like a uh, uh, third grade, like little like math problem on screen. It's, it's, it's very fun. But the, um, the, the show is a little formulaic and I think this is probably exacerbated by watching it without commercials on Hulu where like most reality shows will do the, we're going to end with like a, like a minor cliffhanger before the commercial break. And then once you get back from the commercial break for the next 25 seconds, they'll recap what was the drama happening right before it. So that's, that, that's, a, that's a little tricky. Yeah, no. And then we, we get a similar experience when using like TiVo skip mode. <laughs> yeah. Same kind of thing happens. And then they will always have the, uh, there's the one thing we didn't foresee, even though they probably totally did. Uh, that that happens to throw that, and it always is three to five thousand dollars. That's literally every HD TV show. <laughs> uh so anyway, yeah. But it, but but it's a it's a good show. But does the hmm, does the cost and budgeting or like does the cost of the of that metro area ever frustrate you at all? <sighs> because l- let me let me bring a, let me a quick example. Like there's one. And I'm not even talking about like the one with uh, what's what's his name, Clint. Yeah, yeah. Like his house, they, they the one that apparently they had to move away from. His was like uh, like almost condemned by the city or something, and he got it for like ten thousand dollars, which is which is weird that you can buy a house for the cost of like a used Honda Civic. But like they'll they'll be like these really lovely houses that need some work, but are that are in really nice neighborhoods, and they'll be like, oh, my budget's one hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and and it just I know it's a California thing and I'm not trying to like project anything, but that, that always just, it just blows my mind for the next two minutes yeah. when they're looking at amazing houses where it's a, it's a house with like a yard, the size of the city of, city of Berkeley. And I, I just, I, I don't know how to reconcile that in my head. It's well, so, you know, I, I think my frustration with Bay area housing prices <laughs> is a little more real has that and but it also i i it, it's not waco's fault i mean that that frustration would exist with or without fixer upper <laughs> but i do think that i actually would maybe turn this a little bit and say that it's it's sort of a healthy reminder to us that who you know live in a bit of a bubble where the houses on fixer upper are much more representative of the country as a whole than the bay area or even california in general and the housing market that we have out here we are very much an outlier Mm -hmm. which i certainly your frustration is i think you know understood but 
but again, like I think it's 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 I, I see the show and other shows on HGTV as as a you know reminder that you know what we experience here is just not it's not normal. Yeah, but no, but it's also great in that respect where you just like to think that you can stretch your budget a bit and basically end up with a new house. Like that's the other thing where maybe I just I had a wrong, the wrong impression, but renovating a house is super cheap. Um, well, that's also very area specific where um, construction here, particularly in the Bay Area, tends to be more expensive. Um, um, but, but I mean, it, it, it really, really depends. Um, I, I, I do wonder sometimes, and this is not a fixer upper thing either. This is more of just a general HDTV thing, because I noticed that too, where renovation budgets seem a little too good to be true. And part of me wonders whether the personalities on these shows, you know, I'm sure that they get really good, you know, vendor deals and everything. So I, I don't know how representative the prices they show are to like, if you or me just went out and, you know, did a re- uh, renovation. Yeah. Cause they're like, Oh, let's, let's gut this entire kitchen and build it from scratch. And it's $15,000. And I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, but it, but it, it does depend. I mean, renovations, it's, it's all about the materials you use and kind of how high end or kind of lower end you want to go. So I think there's a, there's a big variation in that stuff, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you where it's, I do sometimes question how representative those prices are. Mm-hmm. Um, I now know what shiplap is. Mm-hmm. That, that's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, like it, it's, it's good low engagement TV. Cause there's, there's very little of that where it's not either like anxiety inducing, like d- news or, or like these super cerebral dramas and stuff like where you feel like if you look away from the TV, you're going to miss something. Like, I don't need to devote the level of attention and care and appreciating this as I do like better call Saul or something, which it's, it's, it's nice to have that. It, it it is it is very nice to have that and and by the way when is Better Call Saul coming back I think I checked on we, their we, now website. we looked this up it was like October really I, I looked yeah, on it was their like a year and a half break fairly recently and I think it it just said 2018 yeah I think it's October maybe mm. AMC probably uses like the Apple definition of 2018 which means December 31st <laughs> right uh huh it's gonna ship about when the HomePod did right. Mm. Um, Except you know, Better Call Saul is successful, so it's it's a little different than the whole eh, it's that actually, way. It actually struggles a little bit, but really, oh. yeah. And then I hope this gets better in later seasons. They blur out all the logos on everything, which is very distracting for me. Like, like you don't know mm, that Joanna's driving yeah. a Chevy truck, and I'm like, it's uh, it's weird. But anyway, yeah, that that's but yeah, that that's something that a, a lot of those shows do. And then as a way to bring this back to technology, I think, um, why, why isn't JoJo using an iPad? Why, why are the gains not adopting the multipad lifestyle? Well, because she does real work. <laughs> and with that, let's get into fun. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud of you. That, mm-hmm. was, you, that, you... Was, that was not forced, but you, you, you came through. You, you, were, you were the Steph Curry to my uh, Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. You, you, you threw the ollie, and I, I put down the oop, as, as, as you would say. Mm-hmm. 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 You got, you got us out of, the, you got us out of the bunker. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's the sandy part in golf, right? That's not even a joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the sandy part. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it is though, right? I think. Yeah. No. No. You're you're correct. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a triple bogey. So BMW. <laughs> no. Well, no. Is... No. We did well. Bogey's bad. That was, it was like it was like an eagle. 
That's that's a 200 par, right? Yes. Yeah. I was watching some of the Masters. It's actually fun. Oh, yeah. No, the major tournaments are great. Tiger didn't end up doing well, did he, though? He did not. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. Well, actually, because mm. it's all about the new kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, yeah, BMW. Wait, did we already talk about this? Oh, no. This is, so, this is follow-up related to the... Um, Vol, uh, what was it called? Care by Volvo subscription we talked about, I think, one or two episodes ago. So so in Nashville, uh, BMW has a new program called Access by BMW, where either for 2000 or $3,700 a month, uh, you can get like unlimited car swaps or something. Like it's just like this, this weird leasing hybrid thing where for $2,000 a month, you get access to a bunch of pedestrian cars like the... Uh, the five series hybrid and a four series. But if you're a real baller and you want um, an M series car, you can pay $3,700 for that. You know, we were, uh, we were in Las Vegas a couple of weekends ago and there was a service that I walked by. They had a, a billboard with their prices and stuff. And it was a service where you could rent these really, really exotic, fancy cars by the hour. And <laughs> some of, some of them were thousands of dollars to rent per hour. Yuck. Even even by Las Vegas standards, I that really stood out to me as just being completely crazy. And also, why is that something you would do? I don't. I, don't, I have no idea. Well, because I I know it's it's a thing where you can rent kind of like a race car. Like if you just want to like go do some laps around a track and you want to have like a fast car. But like, are you somebody who wants to rent a Maserati for like four hundred dollars an hour? Which is not even that nice of a car. No, I, I'm I'm not. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So they're also uh, vaguely related to this. Cadillac and Porsche also have um, their own version of this type of thing, which are both fairly premiumly priced. And it's not exactly what Volvo's doing. They're probably the most mainstream attempt to do this type of thing. Um, but overall, it's a more expensive option than purchasing or leasing a car. So will it uh, meet the buying habits of the millennials is something to be seen. Yeah, like I guess my question for you here is is this experimentation with the car buying model is this something that's going to stick do you think? Like are do people really want to just basically subscribe to car services like this? Well, so the thing is I I don't so I think the the Porsche the BMW ones are not realistic. I think those are just kind of like weird experimental things for like the ultra wealthy who don't want to have the same car twice in a week or something so the volvo thing makes more sense to me i still think the pricing is not very good but i do think for a lot of people them repackaging the idea of leasing a car as like an all-inclusive experience and making it kind of like oh hey it's, it's 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 like netflix or like it's just another subscription i see why that for a certain consumer might be a more palatable way to approach that type of economic transaction. But yeah, I think it remains to be seen. Hmm. But yeah, it, it, it does. Go ahead. I'm skeptical. I, I don't, I'm not really sure how many people this is going to appeal to. I, I guess there will always be a, a segment that'll be interested, but I, I don't, I don't really ever see this becoming a primary way that people buy cars. Yeah. Well, and and it won't be because everybody will be riding these jump bikes. Uh-huh. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
golf club for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'm unfamiliar with, or I, I don't remember the details of what Uber's relationship with Jump was before this. But uh, apparently they have been entirely acquired by Uber for $200 million. And Jump is a e-bike startup that is in the Bay Area and other places. I, I think they're just in San Francisco currently. Well, I thought hmm, maybe it's something else. But I remember there was some other thing that was expanding to DC and a few others. But that might have been something else that you sent. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. And I, and I do appreciate that jump has worked with, um, uh, the SFMTA to try to roll these out in a, uh, less, um, pokey in the eye fashion as compared to (laughs) other, other startups who are just trying to to force the disruption on you and hopefully have you trip over their scooters. But, um, can I, can I provide a little bit of follow-up to that? Sure. The scooter thing. Mm -hmm. So I've been, you know, over the last week, continuing to pay very close attention to this because, you know, I I work, work downtown, you know, walk by these things just about every day. Something that's really caught my attention, particularly in the last few days, people actually are using these things. Like there are some that just sort of seem like they sit around, but I'm kind of surprised at how many people I see actually utilizing them. So I've seen them too. Do you think that's related to just like an initial, oh, hell, why try it? Why not try it? It's $2. I think, I think so. I do think so because I, I don't know. Like I've, I'm someone who's lived in San Francisco for almost eight years and has worked in the city for large parts of that. And even like, I just don't, I don't really see a lot of situations in my life where I use these things. So. I, I I am much like the car subscription service we were just talking about. I'm I'm skeptical, sort of long term, that this is going to become some like primary service that people use. But at least, but even initially, I I am surprised at how many I I see scooting around. <laughs> I find that amusing because there's also another startup called Scoot. Oh yeah, those th- I, th- that well, company. Those, those are... I, hmm. I I'm well I'm I'm. I'm shocked that that's taken off the way that it has because like, and I'm, I don't really have any like objection to them on the same grounds as like these scooter things. Um, Cause you know, they, they have like designated parking places and everything, but I'm just shocked that how they, you you basically can just join that service. Like there's no formal classes you have to take. There's like <laughs> some short video you watch um, and as a former motorcycle rider, like I can attest to the fact that it's like stuff like that is really, really, really dangerous. So I, I just I, I find it really scary that people basically just hop onto these things, especially in a city like San Francisco, where even driving around in a car <laughs> here can be a harrowing experience. So going back a couple steps, the people that you've seen using the the bird scooters and apparently the lime scooters. Were they riding on the street or the sidewalk? Combination of both. Helmets or no helmets? Mostly no helmets, which is yeah. Because isn't that alarming. required? It, it it says on the thing. There's like five or six rules. It's you have to be eighteen. It's got a couple of other things, and yeah, you must wear a helmet. Yeah, that's where I feel like I don't feel this is going to take off. Just because who's going to carry a helmet around with them? 
in in the off chance they're like, oh yeah, I want I want I want to ride a scooter, or I want to I want I want this electric razor scooter from the sharper image to to go in between my two my two places. <laughs> <clears throat> I couldn't think of two places. <laughs> um. So yeah, so that's uh, so yeah, Uber Uber is purchasing them. Actually, related, we don't actually have this in the document, but um, Uber is. Did they already revamp their app, or are they planning to? Where apparently, like, there's this new like five pronged Uber app, where there's a partnership with the car rental, like, share your car thing, get around. Um, there's the jump bikes, and then there's some other thing too. Yeah, yeah. So this is this was. We'll put this in the notes. This is a a blog post that was actually just just written today, titled "Moving Forward Together with Cities." Um. And can can you pronounce Uber CEO's name for me? I think you've you've done that in the past on the show. Dara Kaswaswahi. Thank you. So he he penned this um this blog post. And so yeah, right, so the five five prong approach here is of course ride sharing, jump, um, get around, which will be for like longer term car rental, uh Masabi which is evidently some type of public transit mobile ticketing system. Um, hmm. And and that, I guess, how many is that? It's, I guess it's a, <laughs> a four-pronged four approach, not a five-pronged approach. approach. Um. <laughs> Do you remember the thing when, when in one of the debates in like 2012, Rick Perry was like, there's oh, he three forgot, departments he of government I'm going to eliminate. His, forgot the third one. It was the Department of Education. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I do remember that. God, it feels uh, like it was about 18 years ago. <laughs> um, he's still our energy secretary, though. It all uh, worked out. God. And somehow he's he's not the worst in Trump's cabinet, which is quite quite the achievement. Um, anyway, so getting getting back to this. So I, I think it, it's it's mildly interesting what they're doing here. I think what makes it more interesting, though, is some additional context around this where when the uh, fatal crash happened with Uber's self-driving car a couple of weeks back, one of the things that came out around that story is that Uber CEO actually was pitching the idea of abandoning their self-driving program. And I, I'm, and apparently the, like the news around this has been that he's been really pushing for this sort of broader mandate for Uber and I, I, I just that's to me that's a really, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not sure about that strategy. Like I, I definitely think that things like a bike rental service and centralizing your public transit tickets, although I'm not really sure exactly how that would work, but assuming that they the technology is there to do that, like there will certainly always be use cases and people that are going to want to use that, but. For Uber to focus on these pieces instead of the self-driving thing, potentially, I think is a bit of a gamble. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, hmm. I do think they're hedging on what they ultimately think will be the best option. And I think their strategy is that if you just think Uber is the catch-all for non-governmental transportation that's not like private automobile ownership. Like I get, 
like yeah i don't know i don't know how to feel about this or or really where it goes yeah i i do think like for them their ticket to profitability was and and still is autonomous vehicles but i um i do think the solution for urban transportation is not exclusively private vehicles whether they're human driven or uh like robot driven so maybe i don't know you know i think it's i think it's tricky mm-hmm. yeah yeah um pandora is leaning into podcasts with mm-hmm. the podcast genome project uh, d- doubling doubling down as you would say and as in mm-hmm. as in, as in gadget would say in this article that we'll put in the notes yeah that's why i have an auto replace for doubling down is <laughs> um does pandora already support podcasts they do in a relatively limited fashion so if you'll recall they streamed the second season of Serial. And then sort of around that same time, they started streaming episodes of This American Life. It was sort of interesting, though. At that time, they didn't have any of their on-demand features out in the wild. So podcasts were somewhat shoehorned into their... Like, weren't they stations, basically? Yeah, exactly. So I yeah. think it's it's a little more interesting now that they do have the whole on-demand suite out there, which, you know, podcasts will presumably work a lot better in. And their, you know, their whole thing, so this is Roger Lynch, their new CEO, his whole his whole thing is he feels like podcasts are not being monetized as effectively as they could be. And one of the big ways that he feels like Pandora is going to have an edge is because you're going to be streaming podcasts from Pandora and not just downloading them, that's going to allow them to, I guess, more dynamically and more um, in, a, in a more targeted way insert advertising into the podcasts. So we'll see. How does that square up with a Pandora? What's what's what, what are you if you're a Pandora subscriber for their um, on-demand thing? It's not Pandora Plus. So that, well, there's um, yeah, there's Pandora Plus. And there's Pandora Premium. So if you're Pandora Premium, you would still get ads programmatically inserted into podcasts? Maybe not. I don't think they've gone Hmm. into that level of specificity yet. But maybe if you're a premium subscriber, the ads get stripped out. I don't don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Um, It would be cool if that was a monetization strategy for podcasts. But eh, I'm actually not sure people would want to relinquish that type of control over their own yeah, I don't know. It's early days for podcasting still. It is, but I'm sort of heartened in the interest that companies like Pandora and Spotify have shown in podcasting. I think that's a that's a good sign for the medium going forward. Like it's it's slowly but surely sort of branching out beyond sort of the kind of small circle that it's lived in for a long time, I think. Sure. Um, Spotify is releasing, yeah, this is, this is, this is weird. Um, Spotify is allegedly releasing its first hardware device, which is a 4G connected music player for your car. And for some reason, they will be making the case that you should spend 13 to $15 a month on this instead of just using your phone. 
Yeah, I don't. This is weird. Yeah, well, I, it's it's well, it's not even that's weird. It's just I I could see a company that's really bored and that's like doing this, but for the like if if Pandora or not what what do you call it the other one if Spotify feels that <laughs> like they they've reached the logical conclusion of what they can do on mobile and that for some reason they need to be a hardware startup too why why this that's hmm. It feels like releasing a GPS, like a standalone, like trying to take on Garmin and and release a standalone GPS for your car at a point when everybody uses Google Maps. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I, like on one hand, I, I'm tempted to think that, well, you know, maybe we're just living in our T-word circle and kind of underestimating or maybe overestimating people's willingness to connect their phone to their car and so having a and this is sort of like a semi-native solution but like a lot of cars also have like services like pandora built into the dash and that's you know that doesn't require you to pair your phone or anything but i uh, but i mean to to kind of like i don't really i don't really buy that argument because i i do think that connecting your phone to your car is something that breaks out of like the t-word circle and it's something that just is sort of a standard thing that like regular people do i mean or or so so totally like with with that but also like if if the 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 supposition is that that's too difficult like how the hell does this connect to your car like is is this bluetooth is this wired does this have an fm transmitter in it like what how does how how is this easier i guess this this has been leaking out like on Reddit and on some like Spotify support forum. So I don't, we don't really know the details here yet, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if this would necessarily be any easier than just pairing a phone. And if that's the case, then I really don't get what it's there for. And it allegedly has a one year contract on it. Yeah, I saw oh. that. <laughs> I don't know. Cause here's the thing. I love Spotify. Like I, I really do. There, there are very few service. Like I know I've, I've been lukewarm and kind of like down on Apple Music, but like I genuinely love the Spotify in terms of like the, the lyrics that are built into it, the, the Discover a Weekly playlist, the fact that it has a fairly competent Mac app, the fact that it can link wirelessly to my internet connected soundbar. Like it, it, so much of it is perfect. But this, like this, just looks like a company that's bored. Like I, I don't know. When, when when Apple, with all the money in the world, has is amassing tens of millions of subscribers and is is gunning for you hard, oh, it seems like a weird thing to kind of to spend your time with. Mm-hmm. But who knows? All right. Uh, Instagram is releasing a fake portrait mode feature that only applies to Instagram stories right now, but this will work on most Android phones and also most i. Uh, most iPhones, iPhone 6S or newer, which is kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, the Google Pixel has had a non-dual lens, blurred background kind of um, machine learning backed image altering engine thing. So like, that's kind of probably what this is, but I don't know. It's another thing Instagram's doing. Yeah, it's not. Probably not for you and me, <laughs> but but good on them for experimenting. Yeah. 
Um, I, I think we're, we're going to have to talk about it. So this, this, this might require the explicit tag, and, and you can, you can stop. <laughs> Just stop me. But Mark Zuckerberg uh, <laughs> went, to, went to Washington and uh, was grilled by our mm. uh, United States uh, legislators. Um, two days of, of, of nonstop testimony uh, in front of... Uh, did you watch any of it? Uh, no, no, I didn't watch any of it live. The only clips I really heard were the the ones that were on the daily this morning. Mm-hmm. I was and I was kind of periodically following along on Twitter, but I mean, this was happening like in the middle of the workday. So, so I had it on in the background, and if, I think in total over two days, I I like three hours of it, which is probably not healthy. But it, it, it it's it's a mess. So I, I've I've said. It, it, many times the congressional hearings on this kind of stuff are just a bunch of nonsense dog and pony shows because y- y- the whole point is that some target for what like it, it feels like it's not based off of actually trying to solve something in the best way because if you wanted to do like some like fact-finding mission or actually learn about a problem like this this is not the best way to do it you could do this in a, clo- a closed door meeting you could just uh, subpoena the company like there's so many other ways to go about it so the whole point of these types of events is literally just so a bunch of uh, elected representatives can try to get like a five second soundbite where they're like, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, yes or no. This is a very simple question. Can you insert X and Y? And that's basically what this was. And why I find this also problematic is like this, like it, one that like it's just it's not the right forum for it. But also, like it, I think it undermines a really serious issue, where you have a bunch of people who don't inter- actually understand this issue, a- asking questions that have already been answered in a, in a very obvious way by the company, where it, this is just squandering the public attention on something that's not actually very productive. So I, 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 I don't know. It, it, it was a mess and it was dumb and. Also, the, it goes back to the thing where just uh, it, it, uh, Congress doesn't care about this, really, do they? I don't. I don't even know if it's about them caring. It's about them not understanding. Well, no, but do they actually care about the issue? Because, like, it, it, why, uh, oh, I don't. I don't. I don't think they know. I don't know. I don't think they know what the issue is. So, there's whether or not they care about it almost is besides the point because before forming an opinion about it, they'd have to actually understand what it is they're trying to get at and it was painfully clear from the types of questions that were being asked that they don't even understand what facebook is or how it works and or or what's problematic about facebook exactly right because and we talked about this a lot last week so we're not going to rehash all of it but like facebook has been super ideologically consistent in terms of giving zero fucks about user privacy and finding any way that they can monetize whatever they have and when you have a bunch of people who don't actually understand the issue, then make it easy for Mr. Zuckerberg to, remember full name treatment, mm-hmm. um, to be able to say, uh, God, there, there was that one, and I heard it live, but also it was when it was on the Daily, where it was, and also it was also on Marketplace too, where one of the senators asks, well, if you, if you don't pay money for Facebook, like what, what, like how do you make money? <laughs> what is this? What is this accent? This is great. 
<laughs> never doing that again. Oh man, yeah, you don't you don't do that often on the show. Sorry. Well, yeah, I, I tried I try to withhold Southern lawmaker. <laughs> <laughs> you you save it for special occasions like these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fucking fucking Lindsey Graham did did some uh, bullshit too. Uh huh. Because he because he and also okay let me go back to the okay let me finish the the point. What did you say? Where were we? Who? Which one are you? You're the you're the Southern senator. I think. Oh no no the one where he's like, how do you make money? And then you have to like it's it's literally because and that's the one thing where senator senator we we sell ads. <laughs> because one like Zuckerberg was actually very like patient because a lot I don't know what people were hoping for like like did, were they he's been doing this shit for ten years like he he knows how to be a like a human being like he knows how to run a company he runs a really large very successful asterisk like like whatever you feel that is like he knows how to do this so like he wasn't gonna start like berating or like being like a like nitpicky about the questions his whole point was just to sit there and not create more controversy which apparently according to a new york times article today which apparently was a bad thing i don't know but like you set him up for things where he's just like very like calmly saying oh our business model is that we sell ads like that's that's just such a dumb interaction and when you have 40 senators and like 60 representatives from the house each with five or four minutes each just asking really asinine questions about the pro- like that that does a disservice to what the actual problem is right like cuz cuz the government like i think in in the digital age there's a lot of problems with the lack of care and also the like opacity with which they treat the data that they collect and the lack of uh, like being forthright in what type of data is collected and from what sources like these are insanely important issues that as more things become digital and the like just real life and like social media and all this kind of stuff is just become so difficult to untangle and separate like the government needs to eventually regulate this because like as we saw like in the industrial age and so many other things like you can't really rely on the most successful companies to regulate themselves because unless they're forced to a lot of times they won't and that will generally make the uh, American public worse off, but you have to approach the issue that way. You can't just make it this whole Lindsey Graham trying to pigeonhole somebody into slipping up on something and trying to get a soundbite, and you're not actually getting closer to solving the issue, and you're squandering the attention that the public has for this issue. Right, because that... here's the thing: like Instagram's going to release some new filters, and they're going to do some new stuff, and in in a month, nobody's going to care about this anymore. Because we're all going to be on to the next eighteen Trump controversies, right? And and but what's you know what's scary about this is I mean I, I'm in full agreement with you that we look to our government in situations exactly like this to bring about reasonable regulation and legislation. But again, if they don't understand even what it is they're trying to legislate, I don't even know how you start. And that's the thing where I, where I don't, I'm not going to fault like I'm. A, a, a senator or a representative in the house does not have to be an expert on everything because if 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 they were really really smart and and knew and they 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 knew everything about the the pharmaceutical industry and uh and and in commerce and and a, a data collection and technology and all these things that are very important industry issues that 
that the legislative branch is in charge of regulating or at least enacting laws to protect the American public or create a free all that stuff. Like there's no way an elected official can be an expert on all those things, but you should at least hope that they have the staff on hand and just like the, the, the rationale to know what problem they're trying to solve and to actually try to get closer to that rather than just doing these bullshit circus C-SPAN things. It, it was a bunch of garbage and a mess. And also the House of Representatives is way worse. Like the, the House of Representatives is the D-League of like panel interviews. Like the questions and the tactics were so much dumber in day two. Like it made the, the Senate one that uh, the Daily summarized this morning look amazing. Like it, it, it was a mess. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway. Moving on, unless you have anything else. I do not. Very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it. Lastly, there was some there was some guy using a Microsoft Surface at the gym. That was very troubling. Oh, I want to. Yeah, I, 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 we almost should have opened the show with that. I, I need to hear more about this. We, we again, for the past two weeks, we we need a palate cleanser in between follow up and, uh, and the uh-huh. show. So th- maybe you can explain this to me because iPads and Kindles are not uncommon at the gym, or at least at least where I go. Hmm. Like a lot of people bring they'll like they'll watch Netflix or they'll they'll, they'll watch a whole bunch of on demand stuff on their iPad, and that that's. I would say maybe one in three, one in four actually bring a tablet or a Kindle along with them. One in three I, or one in four people? Mm-hmm. Wow. No, you just like you see somebody on the exercise bike and they're 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 watching Orange is the New Black. They're like they they have a strategy. A lot of Kindles too. Very few physical books. But then for the first time in, I mean, I've been going to the same place for like seven years. First time I've ever seen it. Somebody brings a Microsoft Surface. Like they weren't doing like there was no type cover. They weren't using uh, the pen, but like he he's on the elliptical and he he brings. It's like it's like forty or fifty year old guy, and he brings a Microsoft Surface with him. And I just had so many questions, but I'm I'm of course not going to ask. But I w- I was very perplexed, and I wanted to know if this is anything you've ever seen. No, I'm I'm thinking back to. I mean, I guess in the gym I have seen tablets, but. Gosh, not every one in three or one in four people. I, I very, you know, every once in a while type thing, I'll see it. But no, this is, this is not something that I see all that often. And certainly never a Microsoft Surface. I, 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 like, I can count the number of Microsoft Surfaces I've seen in the wild probably on one hand. And that's like, <laughs> you know, outside the gym. Well, then maybe you, you need to... Uh exit the office of the house you you need to go where the people are and you need to do work outside the house and i know mm. how mad that makes you or mm-hmm. or where you feel like going to a coffee shop to get work done is is the most ridiculous thing in the world there might not be anything that makes me more angry than people who are um like working on an ipad in a coffee shop oh it's, well, it's just ipads just just, just it's anything it's infuriating well but i mean especially especially that i mean any any type of an i I can't put this in big enough air quotes. Any type of work that's happening <laughs> in a coffee shop is is infuriating to begin with. But then if you're if you're using an iPad, come on. You don't think I'm working at a coffee shop? No, I don't. I think you're I think you're slacking with me. 
I'm not. I uh, again on Tuesday, in, in between work and the gym, I went to Phil's for an hour. I, I I wrote this painstaking document outlining this this pure gem of an episode. So I was I was getting work done. Um, uh, what'd you get at Phil's? Uh, uh, if it was after eleven forty in the morning, I, I got a ginger snap. There's a there's a firm cutoff of when it's it's hot coffee versus cold coffee. It's a, it's eleven forty a.m. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's very specific. It is, no, unless I it's a warm it. summer day. I don't do iced coffee before eleven forty. So can I? Let me ask you kind of just a, a broader question on the same topic. So are you are you the type of person? Do you you buy coffee every day? You ever make your own? I don't ever make my own. I go out and grab coffee about five days a week. Okay. And then the the other the other two days a week, you what get it at the office or something? No, it'll be uh, at the, it'll just either be a sparkling water only day or maybe an energy drink day. Oh, what's your? Are you still a Red Bull guy? No, no, I I, I don't have the wings anymore. But the other <laughs> one, I'm, I'm too ashamed to say. Oh no, you have to say it now. No, I don't. I really don't. Is it like Monster? I, we're not going to talk about this because again, there's no accountability, and and, and you. No, can't I mean, bring I'm, me I'm a big. I'm not going to judge you at all. I I think energy drinks. I even though I don't really partake much anymore, I I'm still fascinated by them. I I I don't think you would judge me, but I think I think the the population and and also all the listening devices in my house would judge me. <laughs> the the lady the lady in the can is gonna she's gonna she's just gonna try to order you like a twelve pack of them. Well, not even the lady in the can. The lady in the, the lady in the sphere. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah. We got two of those now. Hmm. Um. Sorry, not to bring it back to the Facebook congress thing but some guy asks zuckerberg about uh oh is is my phone listening to me at all times so that you can serve me ads well, like <laughs> anyway yeah yes senator that's exactly what we're doing oh so those come, are the catchphrases come, come stop whole, me so those are the catchphrases from the whole thing uh yes senator uh no congresswoman i'll have my team get back to you on that that's a very hard question he was he was very prepared, and I and, but a, and I assumed it's after five hours or something. You eventually have to keep repeating the greatest hits, so that those transition statements and stuff don't really work anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I will have my team get back to you on that. I'm I'm going to take that one for myself. I'll, I'll have my team get back to you on that. Yeah, uh, it's it's better than we'll circle back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so so getting work done at a coffee shop again. I, that's in, that's an entirely valid thing. Uh, but when when I was writing, when when I was kind of outlining the, today's magical program, there was somebody like uh, across from me that was using a twelve point nine inch iPad and pretending to work, and I was so I was so irritated. I just I just I, I can't. Come on, Joanna, get get with the iPad. How how <laughs> much more magical could these home renovations be if you were having to? conjure up weird gestures on your ipad to switch applications um, be magical so one one thing that this is like the whole fedex logo thing once i tell you this you're not ever going to be able to unsee no, it don't wait what is this related to and also don't it, it's related to fixer upper and it's really it has a technology angle to it it's not going to ruin the show for you it's, hold just, on, it's wait. just something you're going to notice oh we forgot to okay uh hmm, hold on hold on hold on uh, actually i don't know okay go Wait, what, what, just, what, what just happened? I'm really trying to guess it, but I, I, I'm i coming up blank. So okay, I, okay. I, got it. Um, so they, they being uh, uh, Chip and Joanna, or what did you call her? Ch- Jojo and Chip? Is that what? Jojo. Uh-huh, okay. Um, oh, she, she's, she's so nice. She's a delight. She, she's great. 
they she, she's the she's the tina fey of of home remodeling <laughs> uh she and and chip do do not have a tv at home when they and this is spoiling hmm. a, a minor part of their biography but one of the stories they tell is when they uh, were getting married they had i, I forget who it was a, a friend or, or someone recommended to them hey when you move into your new home try going like a month without a tv and just like see how it goes and they did that and they liked it and so they just kind of never made a, a tv part of their home again and you'll notice in these home remodels like when they are putting together the the, the main living space they never they never leave a logical place for a tv I actually picked up on that. Not not their own family home, but that when they make all these living spaces, and also, sorry, more follow-up related to Fixer Up keeps coming up. How, if, if if I could count, like I need one of those like things that they have when they're counting people at like AT&T Park or you're going to do a museum of how many times Joanna or Chip says, uh, let's open up this wall. <laughs> right. Take it. Take a drink. You would be hammered by episode by <laughs> minute eleven. There's so, so a really funny thing that happens in the show is just every once in a while, like once or twice a season, they'll add a wall, and it's like, <gasps> yeah, uh huh. It's, it's, it's a special moment, uh-huh. uh huh. Okay, show title: Synchronized Gasp. <laughs> um, yeah, I did pick up on not not at their family home, but I'm I'm always like. Oh, where's the TV? Right. And, well, and, and so, or where, no, or where, sorry, where's any technology stuff ever? Well, well, they, 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 I, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get on them for like not having a lady in a can or something set up. But like the, the, the thing with the TV isn't even so much that there isn't a TV in the room; it's that there's just literally nowhere to put one. Which well, that, yeah, because because she's yeah. busy framing empty space on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I, I do not like that design trend, but um. Yeah, that is that is really weird. Because you have to you have to think about how how most people actually live. I like I know that's that's aspirational design, but also that means the TV's just going to go in a really awkward area. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um also, yeah, the, hmm, like I I maybe this is something I'll I'll find out in season 5, but like is there is there never any technology? Like there's never like they never had somebody on there who's like, "Oh yeah, I I like uh, I like I like cool smart things." No, yeah, they don't they don't really do much in the way of that like a chip never says yeah let's let's wire up the house with cat six no but 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 to be fair to them i mean that's even like property brothers and some of the other shows that i'll uh, watch every once in a while What's on their property brother oh you should you should look them up the mm, the scott I, I, the scott brothers they're 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 pretty good no my heart only has room for, for, <laughs> one, for one for one house remodeling duo um but yeah, m- most of these shows don't really they don't really get into the the smart home stuff at all much much to my chagrin um okay uh, where were we uh microsoft surface something 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 how we got back on yeah anyway it's weird uh but yeah no i i see plenty of surfaces but that was the first one at the gym hmm. but he wasn't like using excel or anything he was just he was just watching a video well that's disappointing yeah i mean if you're gonna bring a surface at least you know do what it's best at exactly put microsoft access on there and do, do <laughs> Uh, do some bulk sorting. Right. Okay. I am going to relinquish control of the show, and you can take it from here. So I think I, I want to get at the... So the way that I sort of put the agenda this week is kind of this one big topic we have, and then lots of little topics. 
Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we've been going pretty rapid fire here at the start. So I want to slow it down, as you would say, and hit this big topic, which is the 2019 Mac Pro story that uh, Matthew Panzerino put out on TechCrunch this week. So he he was invited to Apple's campus and it evidently was the only one and was given sort of an update on the status of the Mac Pro the biggest takeaway of which was that it's a product that's not coming this year, but is coming in 2019, which I think is is relevant not because it's not coming this year, but is relevant because of timing of some other things, which we'll also get to. Um, and then the other big thing is he was given sort of an inside look as to how Apple's going about their development process, which is apparently centralized around the idea of workflows. And this is not workflows like the app this is workflows as in they're bringing in professionals from different industries and sort of observing how they work and what their workflow is and trying to ensure that the machine that they're building here can accommodate as many of those workflows as possible um which is like Jason Snell has been really harsh on that. He was harsh on it in both the six color secret subscriber podcast this week and on upgrade. I, 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 I don't so think proud of him. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the best solution. Like I definitely think he's onto something where he says it would be probably a lot more effective to send Apple employees out into the world and kind of observe work that way instead of bringing people into sort of Apple's controlled environment and have them work on you know, either like demo projects or something like that. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's the worst idea in the, in the world either. And I, I bet Apple learns quite a bit from, from doing that. This story is problematic for a lot of reasons. So do you, I'm going to start with the Mac with the Mac Pro rather than the the, the work, Pro workflows thing because that's that's the most eye rolly of 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 this development. The fact that the Mac Pro is being delayed by a year is is not that well no notable. Not, not delayed. They've they never suggested it was coming out in 2018. It wasn't. No, Fine. it really wasn't. Fine, a product that feels obvious and should have been released this year is not going to be, but it's also a very limited appeal. Um, product. So I will commend, or, or I I will give them their their props for addressing the like the people who are waiting to figure out: Do I want an iMac Pro because I need to buy a new computer, or do I want to hold out for the Mac Pro and not leaving people hanging for twelve months? I I think that is kind of commendable. But also, both of those products are fairly niche products of a segment of their revenue stream that they don't care about, namely the Mac. So I, I'm not sure how much credit to actually give them with that. So it, it's, it's been delayed ish. It's, it's, it's been re it's been bumped from when people thought it was going to come out for a year. So that's fine. The whole giving one specific Apple, but very Apple friendly author or slash journalist um an inside look at, like because you know how they they always do that with, with they do this with Stephen levy a lot too uh where where and, and the engraver for that matter where they'll give like a behind the scenes look whenever they have some news that they want framed in a very uncritical way is that unfair um i guess i don't follow matthew panzerino a ton so i, I don't know how 
pro Apple he is. is He's pretty pro Apple. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, and I and I can I can give you an example of that, which is. He's the guest on this week's talk show, perfectly timed. Gonna mark that as played. <laughs> All right. uh, so, so yeah, so so it's it's gonna be a friendly take from him, which is fine. I don't think I don't think he's embellishing, but I I, I do think he's probably maybe not asking the skeptical follow up questions that a lot of this should be followed up with. So yeah, so the product it sounds like it's still going to be a fairly modular, like powerful computer, which 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 is great, and and, and I hope John Syracuse gets a stream computer. But the whole pro workflows team thing that they pivoted to, which really sounds made up in the sense that they're like, well, we had this whole roundtable last year, and I think people really think, and I'm sure, to be honest, I think Apple thought they were going to ship it this year too. Like I I don't think that's a stretch. So I, I think they were like, you know what, we have to have something to show that we're not just sitting on this and we didn't we didn't just divert all of our talent to make the, the home pod. Um so yeah, so I think the pro workflows team is kind of a made up thing. And even if it's not, or like I I assume it exists, but I think it's most <laughs> its existence was probably mostly for this narrative. Because it like as Jason has said, and and I totally agree. Like that doesn't seem like the most effective way to identify the the pain points and the the issues that people have with a computer, because again, for this particular like, so what? So like, because it doesn't address a lot of the issues that were present in the in the original Mac Pro, or, or sorry, in in the 2013 can't innovate my ass Mac Pro, and it like is is the Pro workflows team really going to have the wherewithal to have stopped the 2016 MacBook Pro? Like, would they have said, oh, yeah, this keyboard is, is not good. And if, and if you eat a bagel on top of it, uh, all the keys stop working. <laughs> like, I mean, is because that is some of the stuff where maybe the design team has too much say-so in the direction of the computers, which makes for a worse computing experience. Like I don't, I'm not trying to be a stick in the mode that, that that's saying a computer can never get thinner or anything like that, but I don't think ha- having a bunch of people like on contract at Apple, like making movies and trying to be like, oh, I think this this part of the workflow could be better, is really what's fundamentally challenged about Apple's computers as of late. I think there's a lot of stuff where it's maybe that the quest for thinness. And 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 it being a light computer, which are things that are totally irrelevant to the Mac Pro, which is why that's doubly confusing, is 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 a problem. I I just I I feel like that's misplaced effort, especially with the like I I know everybody goes back to the fact that with the Mac Pro, like they're not going to like unretire the Power Mac G5 cheese grater thing, like and it just slap a bunch of current generation Xeons on it. And I agree, even though in a lot of ways, for for the people that want this computer, that's basically what it could be, and they'd be super happy. Like, what what statements about innovation do you have to make with this computer? It's ideally like a big, quiet machine that you stick under your desk. Because they already tried making it super elegant and making it weird with the 2013 Mac Pro, and they designed themselves into a corner, and it's a computer that has not been updated in six years. So whatever pro workflow team you want to assemble is not going to fix some of the fundamental problems with the fact that Apple doesn't really care about the Mac. And whenever they get caught into a corner, they try to make an innovation that's not really fully baked or really thought out. Like the MacBook Pro keyboard, like moving to USB-C without themselves actually supporting USB-C. 
I mean, there, there's some, there's something here, though. I mean, I, I, I agree with most of that, but there's, there's something here in that they are spending the time to at least make an attempt at a new Mac Pro. If they really, truly just didn't care about the Mac, there, it, it would be easy for them to just basically never make another Mac Pro again, and eventually just discontinue that the trash can one they put out in 2013. But the, the time that they're putting into here, whether you agree with their approach or not. You have to acknowledge that they're investing time and resources into the project, and that that's something. Um, but my the, the biggest thing that I can't really get my head around, which I alluded to at the beginning of the conversation, is the timing of this, where we're kind of simultaneously getting an update on the Mac Pro, which is this 2019 thing, but we're now also starting to hear about Apple switching off of Intel, which was the the story that we talked about last week, which is evidently at least starting to happen in 2020. And I thought Mike's question on upgrade this week was sort of the best way to summarize this, which I want to ask you, which is, is this 2019 Mac Pro, is this Apple's last Intel computer, or is this their first We'll, we'll call it ARM for the sake of this conversation or kind of a home, homemade chip computer. So I think the answer is I don't know, or the, it's, it's really tough to say because I don't remember, because I, I don't think this was covered on Upgrade, and I think it was vaguely touched upon on, on ATP, but like where Apple excels in terms of making ARM processors for the mobile phones, like they, they, they do really well because they they they're able to extract the most power per, uh, per watt and for like the heat envelope that a small mobile device requires but when you kind of scale that up to like a, a mac pro or even a macbook pro like is that their core competency or are they really going because it's it's easy for them to in the past have just been able to grab off the shelf or with minor tweaks like the highest end Intel Xeon or Core i7 processors that Intel has and and just rely on them for the fastest processor that they can. But then if you go and you say that um or or you take it as read that the Mac is not that important to them. And and people people always bring this up that like the Mac is like 9% of revenues for Apple. Which is fine, but also to put that into perspective, um, the iPhone, I think, is like 69 or 71% of revenue. So by comparison, the iMac, or sorry, the, the iPhone, what's, what's, the, what's the one that Mike loves? The iPad is actually not that big by comparison either. So the Mac, which they don't care all that much about, and business dictates that maybe they shouldn't because it's, it's, it's less than 10% of the revenues. Are they really going to spend that much investing in making super high power ARM processors for like the Mac Pro? Like that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I agree, and that's why I'm, I'm having such a hard time kind of piecing this all together because it also like it, it's not really going to make sense to put all this work into a Mac Pro with an Intel chip, release it, and then a year later introduce arm computers because i I definitely don't see a scenario where like do you ever see apple selling both arm computers and intel computers together no no like where Um, unless unless you pretend the ipad's a computer 
or I mean, like, for the, sorry, that that sounded weird. Like for the purposes of this conversation, like it, it, it doesn't make sense to do that because for a for an operating system that already, uh, by by all accounts, doesn't get as much love or attention as it it I might want or should. You can use this interchangeably. Uh, having them have to maintain an ARM instruction set version, like it's it's kind of like remember the with the original Microsoft Surface, where are they going to have Mac OS RT? And then and then Mac OS regular, like that. That's weird for a product they already don't care about. Maintaining one that runs on two separate chip architectures and instruction sets does not seem like a strategy that's one productive and two that they would even bother even bother with. No, and and especially when you consider that the the narrative behind the move to ARM making sense is primarily driven by simplifying their ecosystem, where they could potentially just maintain one operating system across all of their devices instead of two like they have to do today. So it, mm. th- that would that would totally just complicate the story instead of making it simpler. Well, for that part, I actually think even if they do move to ARM processors in like the low end to mid-range max where they, where they would see the biggest um, yields based off of having really small computers and really power-efficient chipsets like that, that I get. But I actually, I, I don't think the move to arm and this is maybe just wishful thinking on my part because i'm clinging to like the vestiges of history but like i don't think that's when ios and mac os converge like i don't think there's going to be a single os strategy that comes out of that i think what what was it called what's what's the cross-platform like we want to make it easier to make mac os apps like what's that project called uh marzipan yeah, like that. I I think whatever frameworks come out of that that makes it easier to make full fledged macOS applications with knowledge of iOS. Like I, I don't think that portends the uh the complete convergence of macOS and iOS. So the fact or the rumor that by twenty twenty we might see the MacBook One ship with an ARM processor. I don't think that means that macOS ten point uh fifteen. Irvine is the last one that ever comes out, and that just iOS 13 happens to run on on desktop and laptop computers too. I don't think that will be the case. I really don't want it to be the case, but I don't think it's going to be the case. But yeah, with the Mac, like, but no, but Mike did put it in a really interesting way. Where yeah, I I don't think this is the last Intel computer, or I don't think this is the first ARM Mac. Because if it was the first ARM Mac, that would be. Like th- that would just be the most complicated way to do it, and like it would just be the like the lowest ROI. Like you'd be spending so much money to make a really really powerful computer on a computer that's gonna be priced and also in like just for its size and purpose, probably the the lowest volume seller. Like just why like just why would you? Yeah, there's 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 clearly something happening. Like there's clearly a, a shift that's going on or a, a transition that's in progress but and i and this is the way that jason's been describing it which is there we're getting pieces of the story but we're not getting the the whole story and yeah i just I, I really don't feel like we have a good sense as to where the mac and even ios like where those platforms are going to be a handful of years from now i will go back to what i what i say i feel like every other week which is that like the mac the fact that it's kind of crafty and and is able to do a lot is a, a lot of what and I'm and I'm not the first person to say this is is what allows iOS to be fairly lightweight 
And like, I get that people who are advocating for an iOS based laptop and that kind of stuff, I, I don't think it needs to take on all the complexity of OS 10. But I think if you're eventually going to say the Mac and this need to converge, I, I just I don't see where enough of the functionality of OS 10 and a traditional desktop operating system is replicated on iOS, where iOS is still easy to use in like simplified iPad form and iOS form. Yeah, I yeah, I I don't I don't really I don't really see it either. Okay. Did you watch the uh, the Tim Cook Kara Swish interview thing? I ha- I haven't yet. Have you? I did. You should skip it. Oh really? It was very. It was. It was very. <laughs> it was. It was very not good. Because uh-huh. Tim, Tim was a, was a little sassy and also, but unchallenged in so many of the things he said, which which was, which was frustrating. So if you're bored, maybe maybe watch that right after you've finished watching Alex Inc. Ugh. So you've so you've you've watched the first episode. Again, I I'm on this free trial of Hulu. I gotta get, gotta get my my money's worth. <laughs> I gotta get, get all the traction I can out of that one dollar preauthorization. Uh, it is a very bad show, and I I oh, I really hope that is not people's first introduction to podcasts. Because it, it, are you a Zach Braff fan? Um, I would say I'm largely neutral towards him. Hmm. I don't I don't dislike him, but I also wouldn't classify myself as a fan. What is what has he done other than that Garden State movie? Well, Scrubs. What's that? Oh, it's it's the the one where uh, okay, got it. It's that NBC show where he's in a hospital. Okay. Yeah, right. Is that it? Basically, that those that's the those that's the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, yeah. It's it's a very bad show. People should not watch it. And even, even as a joke, don't watch it. It's <laughs> it's really not. It's it's not funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, what else? What else? Well, let's see. What what do we want to hit here? Um, I think the um, the the Postmates DoorDash stuff is is kind of interesting. So this is a potential potential merger between Postmates and DoorDash, and I I think it's interesting in just in that this clearly has to be the way that this whole on demand food delivery thing is is going. Where there, there's just way too many of these companies and consolidation clearly has to happen but the way in which that's going to happen is is what's going to be really interesting to watch do you do you think like vc money ever gets like tired of just throwing money attacking the same problem that six other people are doing i would i would think so yeah that's why four of these exist right now right right but it feels like maybe this is sort of the like beginning of the end of the initial land grab and then now we're going to enter this sort of consolidation period. Seems interesting. The one, the one mo- most interesting part I actually got out of reading about this was that I, I guess I uh, underestimate the presence of Amazon Prime now, where I didn't really think of them as a competitor to this. But then I remember that they do do like whatever Amazon restaurants is, and they kind of have this. Right. I, I don't know. I guess I, I underestimate the reach of of Bezos and, and the Washington Post and everybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, pretty interesting. Oh, actually, that, there we go. I was going to ask, like, who? what is the like the market share of most of these companies? And actually, Grubhub is way bigger than I thought they were. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, Postmates, which has the biggest mind share for me. It's only 9%. Strange. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Amazon has 70 in-house private label brands. Nice. I was going to say, why, why, why don't they just acquire Walgreens just for the ability to have to, to take <laughs> on the nice exclamation point branding? I, I do like that they uh, have kept the kind of the exclamation mark branding. Oh, with Presto? With Presto. Yeah, but that's not the same. <laughs> no, it's not. Because nice, it, it, it's in this weird... No, you're not, you're like, not, it's, you're not, you're not saying it right. Nice! Uh, Come on, anyway. man. Put some, put some effort into it. Uh, it, it it's, it's nice enough. Okay, but because no... no is It's Walgreens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eh, but, eh, I, I'd never like a Walgreens. Because... Well, you you can clarify this for me. Walgreens is the one where whenever they have like a something is two for three dollars, you can't ever just buy one, right? I you know I'm I'm never clear on how that stuff works in in stores. Well, because Safeway and Target don't ever uh, jerk you around. Like it's just like you can do the simple math. You can you can do your fixer upper math, and it's, the price is what it is. Whereas, like, I know Rite Aid, and I'm pretty sure Walgreens. It's like, oh yeah, like these, uh, this beef jerky is 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 two for seven. But if you only buy one, it's it's eighteen thousand dollars. <laughs> and, and that's that's no fun for anybody. Mm-hmm. And also, I appreciate that. Well, actually, hold on. Did they did they rebrand Nice, or is it still kind of that Nice? God, no, no, sorry. <laughs> I walked right into that one. Uh, that appealing uh like old-timey font walgreens nice brand nope it is still oh hey very very nice mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah this is why this is this is this amazon oh wait, ooh, what is this i don't i don't like this at all yeah let me send you a link real quick there is apparently this uh, bag of cashews i don't like this branding it's too it's it's too it's too generic Hmm. Yeah this this looks like it'd be like some like type of nature box knockoff. I I don't I don't like this at all. No. Whereas the old one, uh, is just it's it's this it's it's a very dated font, but it seems earnest. It was it was it was nicer, you might say. It 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 definitely was. Uh huh. Ooh, what's in Magic Trail Mix? Peanuts, raisins, M and M's, peanut butter drops. What are peanut butter drops? And they're like the little like Hershey kiss things, but they've got peanut butter inside of them. Got it. Okay. Anyway, Amazon, that was, that was a derail. Amazon has 70 in-house brands. Um, ooh, I was going to bring this up to you, but I, I forgot to put in the thing. Amazon basics has a knockoff of the away suitcase. And I don't like that. Do they really? Oh, I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta look this up. What's it? I don't know the, I don't know the name of it, it's but it Amazon was on basics suitcase. Hmm. Yeah, you know, something that I've, so I've noticed um, uh, a couple of away suitcases recently, mm-hmm. those, they, they get really beat up. Yeah, mine, mine after United touched it got a little. <laughs> yeah, by which like, I, I kind of look, thought it, that was one of their things was that it was supposed to be pretty durable and kind of. Well, no, it is. It's just like it. It does like if it gets scraped because somebody like threw it really hard. Like it, it does show that, but it doesn't ever dent or it doesn't ever get worn. But it does. I mean, and you can usually clean up the scrapes. 
Um, so is, is it just the Amazon Basics hard side spinner luggage? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, this doesn't have like the, the battery pack or anything, though. I don't know if it does. Since but yeah, no, it, but it definitely, I mean, it definitely looks like, although, I mean, though the away design is not exactly something super original. So it's not, but, it, but it's simple. Like it, it's simple and functional like that. I, I am very on board with their whole thing, which is like, it, it's, it's what you need and, it, and it, it's thoughtfully designed and it, it's, it's no, there's no cruft in the design. Although did we did we talk about the the away suitcase with pocket? <laughs> um, offline, yes. Not not on the show. Yeah, it's it seems super lazy because yeah. it literally looks like you just took like a, a neoprene like thirteen inch laptop thing and, and just put some like three M adhesive tape and just shoved it on it. Well, and there's like I'm never I'm never gonna put my laptop in something like that. Or does anything? Because then th- doesn't that negate the fact that it's it's limited to the carry-on size? If you're putting any, like, because if you're going to put anything in there, it's going to get squished because it's already at the edges of what's allowed in, in, in a domestic flight carry-on. Ex- well, exactly. And like, even when you're just walking around with it, I mean, like, you're, you know, you get run into people or, you know, people run into you and whatever, and like, your laptop's going to be just dangling on the side there, <laughs> just like getting run into. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's a very, a very weird design. It is, yeah. I I I'm conflicted with. Obviously, this has happened with Casper as well, where they start with something very simple, like they literally just sell like one oh, product, and somebody and tells they, you you got to diversify the product line. Yeah, and I, and I, I, so in Casper's case, it ha- has been helpful because, like for example, the sheets they make are excellent. Mm, yes, but when they start. When their whole advertising thing for three years is we have the one true, the one true mattress, except no other substitutes, and then they're like, "Oh no, lol, JK, it, we we have three of them, right?" And 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 the the Casper Wave fits your natural geometry. Uh-huh. God, I hate podcasts where where you, like, I could recite like 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 all the senators bringing their pocket constitutions to wave it in the face of Mark Zuckerberg, like I can recite the ad read for almost everybody. Just by heart. <laughs> Away suitcase gives you first class travel at coach prices. It's pretty good. It is. Um, but yeah, but Casper, the whole like, are, so you're on board with them having like this new ultra premium mattress that's two thousand dollars. Well, I, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this, but when I went into that store here in San Francisco, we just were kind of, I just were kind of killing some time and laid on a couple of them, and. I I didn't even know which was which, and I had to ask the, one of the reps like, "Oh, hey, like, do you do you actually have the the wave here in the store?" And it was one of the ones that I had laid on. <laughs> so you know, I mean, it, that's that's probably not a hundred percent fair, but there was not an immediately clear difference to me anyway. Mm-hmm. The wave features hyper targeted support for ergonomic spine alignment. Seems like a specious BS claim. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I I continue to be just very very happy with the well. It's now the mid range Casper because there's one that's mm-hmm. an entry level one as well. Yeah, you're sleeping on the iPhone Seven of mattresses. How does that make you feel? It feels it feels pretty good. <laughs> just like owning an iPhone Seven. Yeah, it's um first class mattress prices at at no never mind never, never mind. <laughs> uh, I tried. You, 
Don't edit it out. No, no, we're, we're, we're keeping all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amazon uh, spent $23 billion in research and development last year, uh, more than any other U.S. company. Google's Alphabet Catch-All parent corporation came in second at $16.6 billion, Intel at $13 billion, Microsoft at $12.3, and Apple at $11.6. The interesting part of this, though, is that um, content creation counts. So all the money that they spent on Amazon original series and stuff counts as r&d which i guess it is hmm yeah yeah this this is this is fascinating um and i I think this is one of amazon's strengths is that whereas they definitely with apple and i would even throw in google here too it just feels like the the rate at which those companies are innovating has has slowed and I, i don't feel that same way about amazon they are just constantly throwing things at the wall which can be for better or worse sometimes, but I, I think that's really smart on their part because they continue to expand kind of the mindshare of their brand. They continue to try to get into as many different markets as they can. And even if they only have a you know relatively small hit rate, you know that's going to ultimately, I think, pay off for them. So I, I think it's smart and I think it's really interesting. It is because lo- Amazon's sneaky. Where like uh, again the whole Echo suite of products and like like just the AI voice assistant thing, which we I think I uh, we joked earlier about the HomePods struggles, but like that that came out of nowhere and that's a product they they iterate relentlessly on, even though the Fire Phone was a dud. If you just think about the fact that Amazon has so many distribution centers and the fact that they have one hour delivery in many markets and the fact that they've created. Amazon Logistics from the ground up, which is a viable competitor in a lot of ways to um, UPS, at least for their own in-house deliveries and stuff, which has gotten way better than it used to be. It's 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 I, I haven't had many missing packages ever since then. They have the technology to take a picture of the wrong doorstep, like they they they're they're doing the right stuff. I don't like they're they're doing a lot of things all the time, and. Um, and that's not even counting AWS and all the other stuff they're doing with that runs the entire plumbing of the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they they do a lot. Whereas, well, maybe we could we could take this back to Apple for a second. Are like are we un or sorry, no, I don't want to lump you in with this, but like, do people unfairly criticize them in terms of like inability to ship? Like, because you know the um, like it's been kind of a, a an ongoing joke for the past year about like messages in the cloud. Where like it just keeps getting pushed back and pushed back, and like there's like in the HomePod didn't like it shipped probably twelve to eighteen months after Apple probably wanted it to, and it still wasn't feature complete. And the fact that AirPlay two isn't coming out, and the fact that OS ten has um, all these bugs and all over the place, like is it just the fact that Apple's now a big company? Like what what is causing them? Like, did all these resources really like go into making Face ID? Like, why, why is why does it feel? Why is there the perception that Apple's innovating less quickly? So for me, it's not the delays in product launches. It delays happen, and by and large, those haven't concerned me with Apple. What I'm more concerned about, and why I feel like the the rate and sort of the way in which they are, they're innovating is concerning. I just don't feel like they have the same connection with what people want, like maybe they used to at some point. 
And like what I mean by that, like the HomePod, I think, is exhibit A of this argument where so, you know, the, the rumors that were coming out today are that it hasn't been selling very well and has dramatically um, has sold dramatically less than what Apple's expectations were. And I, I always take these kind of third party sales numbers with a grain of salt. So I, I would do that here. But assuming for a moment that this is directionally true and that sales have been a lot less than Apple thought and that Apple actually thought this was going to be a really good selling product. That's really concerning. Like Apple really genuinely thought that the HomePod was going to be a product that people were interested in. Like that, that's, that's not good. I don't think like thinking that a high end speaker is what people are after as opposed to the, you know, the voice assistant stuff. And I'm not necessarily even talking so much about the smart home stuff because I, I do still think that's a pretty niche thing, but like, the ability to set multiple timers and all the other little things that people do with the lady in a can. Like the fact that Apple isn't acknowledging that that's what people are interested in makes Apple feel really out of touch. And that's, that's what I'm primarily concerned about with them. And then, and this this goes beyond the HomePod. I mean, this goes to, I think the keyboard design in the new MacBook pros is another really good example where it's pro workflows. Like, <laughs> right, that, I mean, yeah. like no, that, I think that's exactly the point where, like it feels like some of the obvious things are just not really addressed, and it's kind of weird as to why. Right, and like, and, who, and, and, and who, this, who's confident releasing the HomePod? Right, and I and I would throw this this education event from a couple of weeks ago into this too. Like Apple is so out of touch with how schools actually function. It and it's it's just it's concerning. They they sort of live in this like a like a bubble within a bubble like i mean the, the kind of the technology industry itself is obviously <laughs> i sometimes guilty of being insulated from the real world but then apple almost <laughs> kind of further isolates itself which it's just it's not it's not good yeah like i mean the, the fact that the home pod is not selling well i don't think is surprising it's the fact that Apple thought it was going to that's surprising. Uh, that that part of the story, I don't believe. Yeah, I mean, you're no, that's 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 fair. Who who knows how how true that is? Like I, hmm, I think maybe Apple is is maybe slightly disappointed about like oh well people people aren't realizing how great this sounds, but also like maybe you're misreading the market as good speakers have existed before, so therefore. Like you're you're not addressing why that market is interesting right now because you either haven't made the investment in, can't attract the talent to do so, or any number of reasons as to why the invisible part of the product, but the most compelling part of that product, meaning Siri, is way behind its competition. And Apple and Tim Cook, like he did in this in that Recode interview thing, can talk about privacy, privacy, privacy. This and and, and oh, we would never be in Mark Zuckerberg's case um, or in, in his shoes because of our approach to the business. But also, whatever your approach is, if you feel like you're the only way you can operate is by hamstringing yourself to the point where you have completely non-competitive products, then you need to figure that out because like you're addressing the wrong problems in the market, and like just just jacking up the price of the iphone every year and like it that's that that eventually is going to run out as, of being a thing like because i it keeps coming to me where like the iphone in a lot of ways has not actually even though people try to sell the fact that the iphone 10 is like some revolutionary device the iphone hasn't been given a dramatic rethink in a decade like other than 
control center and like a few other things, like the home screen of the iPhone looks exactly the same. Like it, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff where it just hasn't, hasn't really come together. I think so. I, 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 th- I think that's partially true. I, I do think that the iPhone hardware ha- is, and, and, and I say this as some, as a person who's very much on the record as saying, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the iPhone 10 necessarily, but I do think that iPhone hardware has dramatically improved over the years, and Apple, by and large, deserves a lot of credit there. Mm-hmm. But I, but I am with you on the software side, where mm-hmm. like even iOS seven was largely just sort of a reskin of what iOS Absolutely. originally was, and since mm-hmm. then, very little's changed. Mm-hmm. Same goes for you. Brought up Sear series, another great example where. That hasn't really shown any big signs of improvement. We've talked about HomeKit in the past. That also hasn't shown any big signs of improvement. I would even say like TVOS, you know, has has not really done much in much interesting. Apple Watch sorta kinda has, but also not really like Apple just Apple feels like they're falling behind, which is which is weird because that's that's Apple's thing, right? Is like that was sort of one of the big proclamations that Steve Jobs made at the original iPhone announcement. Is that what, what did he say? The iPhone was what, like five ten years, years ahead. Ten years ahead, right? Um, oh no! And 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 that just yeah, like that that hasn't the, the, Apple just hasn't really capitalized on that philosophy anymore, and they're they, and it really does again feel like they're sort of stagnant and as a result falling behind whereas you'd like you look at amazon right like they they are out there trying things and doing stuff and, and you know clearly not all of it is successful but like the lady in a can stuff has been wildly successful obviously aws like i don't know it, it's it's uh it, it's it's sort of it's sort of you know as as someone who's generally a kind of a fan of what Apple does it's it's a little discouraging. So this is not something I really believe, but I'm going to give you the imagined pushback I have of somebody who's taking issue with your argument. Like, sure, Amazon they're 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 flooding the market with a bunch of crap and it's into seeing what sticks. But Apple really cares about the end product, and they're providing flawless, bug free amazing from day one hardware and software solutions that put the customer experience over everybody else. Do you believe that? Because I think that's fallen off too. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that in similar, similar to what I was saying earlier about how Apple used to be the one you looked to for being ahead of everyone else. Apple also, I think, used to be the company that you looked to for, I, like, I know we all joke about the it just works line that they use a lot, but like, but that by and large used to be kind of true where you would take an Apple product out of the box, you would turn it on, and like it literally kind of just would work. And that is 100% not the case now. Like when iOS 7 came out, like I, I think you experienced this too, where just twice a day your phone would just restart for no reason. Right. And, and they pretended like they did, that wasn't going on for six months. Right. And, and, and you know, I think it, it undermines the argument that, well, Apple can get away with just making a small handful of products because those products are basically perfect that's that's definitely not true anymore yeah i i feel like you you've so like there's been some big things that you've been ahead of the curve on on this show compared to me i think uber it was definitely 
the best example of that. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop a marker for this so I can just make sure my <laughs> just listen down. listen back to it, right? Um, but I think I think your your general view towards Apple I think has also been a bit ahead of mine, where you've been a little more pessimistic about them for longer than me. But I, I more and more it's, but this year in particular, I I really feel like I'm kind of coming around to more in your line of thinking where I don't think we're just downright negative on them, but we were a little concerned about kind of where they're at and the direction they're headed. I, I would agree. I like, so thank you. But also like, I, I think you, you are, I think you're there too. I just think you're slightly more idealistic about it, which, which I think is good because you don't always want to be just on the critical side of, of every issue. But yeah, like it always felt like, and again, this is probably rose colored glasses, but like you, like there was more direction. Like I, I know as things mature, things seem more iterative and incremental in terms of developments, which, which makes sense. But I, I just feel like uh, things like them recycling the iPhone 6 design for a fourth year in a row. And the fact that the, like Apple, like is still content to ship up like a, a a computer with a, a a keyboard that has like a 50% failure rate within a year. And then there's like, whatevs. Like it, it just feels like I, I, there's a lot of people that work at, at, at Apple park. Like they have a lot of employees, like not quite as many as Amazon who seems to employ everybody in the state of Washington, but like they have a lot of people there. And like, just, I, I don't necessarily get what's coming from that. Because they're not all installing hard drives in a server farm so you can get more than five gigs of iCloud space. That's not it. Uh, apparently, they're all making TV shows because that's going to be the next big thing. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's frustrating. And because I, because you want Apple to succeed because like, you, even, even though I fault them for maybe being too restrictive on the privacy stuff, or maybe they're just leaning into that as an excuse, but if like they're a company that, charges too much for a lot of their products. But I think one of the things you can't fault them for is that they do ultimately think about the user first. I just think in a lot of times, like they can't get out of their own way. And that, and in a, in a lot of ways, the people on the design side of the equation always win when they definitely shouldn't. And maybe there's just not the type of collaboration between hardware and software and so many other things that is going to make the products that keeps Apple at the forefront. Yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on. Yeah. All right. Do we have anything else before Chef Specials? No, we got we some we somehow squeaked a uh, a second big topic there. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I I, I did the old switcheroo on the yeah. on the nice. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Man, you're still you're still not giving it enough enthusiasm. Yeah, but I, do you want me to say it, my Southern lawyer voice? I would. Yes, I would love that. Please. <laughs> no. No, maybe for your birthday. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let, let's let's get into the chef specials here. Um, I don't I don't really have a, a super like specific one this week. It's it's more around just this is the for me anyway the best time of year for sports. So we, this is today was the start of the NHL playoffs. Saturday is the start of the NBA playoffs. And having both of those go together, especially in the first round where there's just so many games, is is awesome. 
Um, and if, you know, you have, you've got baseball out there too, which is, which is kind of nice, but it, I don't know. I, I have a hard time caring about April baseball, but it's, you know, it's, it's still out there too. But this, this time of year is, is the, the best time of year for, for sports, I think. So we're just going to kind of enjoy that for the, the next couple of months. Can I ask what happened to the Warriors? Yeah, they, they're, hmm. I mean, you know, I, are, are the, are the Utah Jazz a good team? Cause they got mopped up by like 50 points last night. I mean, they're not that good, but they, yeah, they I mean, they made, they made the playoffs. Um, yeah, you know, I think that this, this happened to the Lakers too, when they had their big run in the early 2000s and it's happened to other teams as well, where these teams that have this kind of year after year success, they, they get bored with the regular season and they really just kind of take their foot off the gas and you know come playoff time they'll they'll get refocused but the warriors problem too though is they've just have had so many injuries to to all almost all of their key players and you know like curry's out you know i think durant's still kind of playing his way back same with thompson so yeah i don't know i i, I think they'll be fine and they'll, they'll make their run but yeah they're not not in as good of a position as uh as they've been in the last uh couple of years um, and then on the hockey side of things, you'd be uh, interested to know that the the Sharks are playing the Ducks in the first round starting tomorrow. Uh, which one's in the American League? Like which? Um, <laughs> I forget. It's it's the Eastern. Is it just the East and Western? Com- what are the two leagues in the NHL? Yeah, just the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Very very similar to basketball. So does that just mean? Actually, how does that break down? Does that mean the West Coast plays East Coast teams all the time, or is it you mainly stick within your half of the country? Uh, well, so it's it's the same way as basketball, where in hockey you play teams in the other conference twice a year. So you play them once at, in your arena and then once in theirs. And then teams in your conference you pay, play in hockey, it's between uh, three and four times a year. So, so, you, so you, play, you play teams in your conference more makes sense um okay so you know that i'm a fan of home goods which is a store that just sells like weird clearance stuff for your house Mm -hmm. but uh they have a brand that seems to always go on clearance there which they have this this could be really mundane and boring uh, but it's called uh sistema plastics and they basically just make like a knockoff tupperware for every occasion um and it's and it's very good they have very um you know apple design like it's it's very like smartly designed uh stuff for your kitchen and like to go containers and i found uh a, a week ago a very nice uh lunchbox that has a, a spot for some cashews a spot for a nice big sandwich it's very it's very very good do you have a do you have a link to this um it's called uh, let's see system uh, i think it was called the bento box yeah oh apparently they sell it at target too not just home goods um do the thing yeah this is this is this is very nice and it comes in a lot of fun colors too yeah it's it's this company and also i think i made this a a pick before uh joseph joseph has a lot of weird uh uh well-designed kitchen stuff hmm yeah very very mundane and are you you the type of person do you you pack your lunch so I've been tr- actually. I'm not trying to prolong prolong this episode, but we're running less than we normally do. I'm trying to, to plan meals better. Yeah, and I'm not. So I I can't. Are, have you ever tried meal planning? Oh yeah, definitely. It's uh, successfully. I, I could, no. <laughs> 
that's the thing. I have all these people like they're like, oh yeah, I I, I make like egg cups and and things for like an entire week, and I and, and you know I just cook a whole bunch of chicken and I, and, I, it, and it's great. I don't ever I don't ever snack. I don't ever eat junk food because I'm disciplined. And I'm like get out of here. Just go 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 jump in the bay. Like I, <laughs> you're giving you're giving me all this ideal like idealistic. I'm going to enjoy that, my ginger snap coffee from phil's thank you very much exactly i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna die based off fake stevia because i I guess i can't be i I can't be bothered to to make uh like little like egg souffle things like i i I have worked with and 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 interacted with successful meal planners and it's one of the most frustrating things in the world yeah it's it's like watching like it's like watching chip like know how to do like take apart every part of a house and speak confidently about it and it's just like you know be bad at one thing. Come on. That's so actually, so to bring this all the way back around to fixer upper, <laughs> that's, you want to talk about like what makes you frustrated in that show. It's less about the home prices and it's, it is more about, yeah, like chips ability and really like their whole team's ability to do what they do. Like I, I would not know the first thing about like taking out a wall, for example, <laughs> like, like, God, like well, how else are you going to open up the space? I, well, I know, but I like I I would have absolutely just no idea how that process would work. Well, no, here's and that's the thing where they're opening up the wall, which they do multiple times an episode. Like, and then like I'm like, but you're inside the house. How do you know you're not? It's not just going to collapse. <laughs> I know. No, I know. Because I, I always thought like there's there's certain things you don't like. I thought part of the house supports the other part of the house. And if all these things were built in the 1930s before we had the internet to look stuff up, how did this how did this work? Right. Well, and then and then okay, so you've you've gotten by the point where the house is not going to collapse, so you've you've knocked out this wall. So so then so now what do you do? <laughs> like, how do you go about patching that back up? I I I just don't know. Yeah, it's yeah yeah. I don't think that nail filler that you you, you get when you move out of a place. I don't think you just get 40 tubes of that and somehow that's a wall. You know what though? I I bet I'm better at chip in Excel. No, he actually he, he knows how to use Power Pivot. Damn it! He, he knows he's he he doesn't even use H lookups. He uses the other one. Ah, oh, damn it! What is the other one? There's the better one that everybody's like. Oh, no, H and V lookups are for suckers. It's the. Oh really? Yeah, there's there's supposed to be some next level thing. I'm still a big V lookup fan. Yeah, and somehow it always comes back to Excel. 